Those kids are happy to see their classes. I don't know about yours, but mine, every, every time we come to church, is there a class today? It means a lot to them. I'm thankful that they have that. Amen. Just where you're sitting, can we pray one more time, entertain the presence of the Lord Jesus? God, we ask right now that you would sweep throughout this place. God, we pray that your spirit would envelop every one of us today, God. Jesus, we need you more than we need anything else. We need you more than we need anything else, God. We acknowledge you today. You're the king of all kings, God. You reign forever, Lord Jesus. I pray that your spirit would have free reign in this place today. God, that you would be free to move over every heart Jesus, that you would have free reign to move over each life. Touch each of us today, God, as we draw closer to you in our spirit. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Jesus told his disciples, if I be lifted up, if the Son of Man is lifted up, I will draw men unto me. It's always my prayer, Lord, draw people to you. Draw pe- I, That's what I want. I want to see them just come by the thousands, by the hundreds, by the tens, by the ones, whatever it is. Draw them to you because he's the one that we need. Amen. I mean, I'm going to invite Elder Hart to speak to us today. Let's give him our attention. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Feel His presence, His Spirit working in such a great way. He's present to work. Amen. Praise God. Appreciate the flowers traveling this week and hanging out. They didn't just hang out. What's it called? Camp Mayfield, is that right? How many of you have ever spent a week at a youth camp, not as a youth, but as a counselor or a teacher? How many have ever spent a full week at a youth camp? Anybody in the room? You're missing out on an experience of a lifetime. You better, uh, whew. but it really is. It is a tremendous experience. There's something about seeing innocent lives in the presence of God and just the presence of God ministering to them. And uh, it's a rich, rich experience. It's work. It is work, 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 and more work. (laughs) And sleep is a word that's pretty non-existent if you're there. Um, as a worker, and uh, but it is a life-changing experience. I thank God for the, my wife and I have had the privilege of spending a few weeks in our life at youth camps, and uh, I was talking to Brother Flowers just briefly this morning, and was thrilled to hear the story of, of course, he had all of his kids there, some of them were too young to be campers so they had to sort of be carried around different places and different times and but it allowed them to be there as counselors and workers and and uh, 
was it just brought back memories for me of camps we did where we had all of our kids and maybe they weren't all there were some camps we worked where none of our kids were old enough but we're like okay we're going to come work the camp but you got to give you got to allow us to have all three of our kids sort of stuck over here and and uh they needed workers so and uh our kids were I wouldn't trade those memories and uh, it's definitely a sacrifice you have to take a week off work or a week away from your things but I appreciate the investment wasn't it beautiful seeing our kids standing up here this morning and to know that God filled them with the Holy Ghost I would encourage you if your child received the Holy Ghost at camp this week write it down note the date make it a memorial really is I I, I can remember about when my kids got the Holy Ghost and my wife's got the dates. I don't remember the exact date when God first baptized them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But write that down. It's a memorial. And visit it with them. And uh, let them know that's the beginning and God's going to continue to do great things in their lives. And I believe that. Amen? I'm thankful for that. Thankful for camps and the place they hold in His kingdom and His purpose. Amen. Praise God. Why don't you go with me in the word of the Lord today? The book of John. Chapter 14. You know, the, the, um, the Lord has been dealing with us, speaking to us the last few weeks on a very similar thread as he does and the scripture of course tells us I believe in Isaiah 28 that line upon line line upon line precept upon precept precept upon precept here a little there a little will God speak to his people that's a principle of the word of God in the way God speaks I'm I'm thankful for the opportunity when the Lord so desires for us to go to a conference or what have you. Um, But the Lord speaks to his people in a manner that he doesn't always give it all at once. But he builds upon things and he builds upon precepts and he'll... So he'll start, he might start something on one Sunday and then he may give something that adds to that on Wednesday night and Bible study and then he may add to that again the next Sunday. And uh, so he builds precept upon precept upon precept and he speaks to us that way. And uh, when we're listening with our spirit, we may not always recognize that it's happening that way, but when we look back, we realize, man. The Lord was sort of dealing with these areas in our life and his growing of us and his developing and his maturing of us and his working in us for his purpose as his body. And um, I was marked, you may remember a couple of weeks ago, the Lord dealt with us about self-will and the danger of self-will. And then last week he talked with us from the word about coming out from among the world and being separated unto him, holy unto him. That's what holiness is. Holiness is, of course, being separated unto God. And so what is happening there? Is that just 
well, you know, with a heart, with the flowers that we're teaching, they just sort of got on a kick. No, I promise you that's not the case. I don't know that we've ever compared notes. Definitely not before speaking. We maybe have after speaking, got together and talked about stuff. But the Spirit of the Lord, this is what I recognize the Lord is doing. And if we have an ear to hear, we should hear. It's late. It's late. The Lord is returning soon. And he is trying to prepare his bride. And he said very clearly in his word that he is coming back for a church that is without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. Now, we cannot make ourselves without spot or blemish or wrinkle. Only he can do that. We, there's none of us that are righteous. Our, our righteousness, the scripture says, is filthy rags if we're trying to do it ourselves. But he can place upon us his righteousness. And then he asks things of us not to earn anything, but to be separated unto him. And so he's asking that of us. And now this is not. Let's continue on in that thread for a moment. This is not the Lord just going, okay, I want to get a bride prepared for me. And it's all about the bride. Well, it is all about the bride, but. It's not just about the bride of present. The scripture tells us he has sheep that are not yet in the fold. And them also he will bring. And so what is he doing? If we're wanting to be used of God, and I believe we are, and we're wanting to be used of God the way he wants to use us in this hour, and I believe we are, we're not going to do that by having one foot in the world and one foot in the church. It won't work. We're not going to do that. He's not going to use us if... I'm half given over to the things of the world, and then I'm half given over to the things. You can't do that. If I'm living part of the time according to my will, and then living part of the time according to my will, it will never work. The scripture is very clear. In James chapter 1, I believe, it says, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. All of his ways. And so what the Lord has been doing, he's, he's, he's beckoning us. He's not done it harshly. He, he's been gentle. He's been loving. He's been reaching gently and kind, compassionately, trying to draw us to himself. The flowers made reference to getting closer to him, and it seems like he gets closer to us. I would submit that exactly what's happening there is, as I begin separating from the things of this world... What's really happening is I'm losing myself, and so he is controlling more of my life. And so he feels nearer and closer. Well, what's happening is there's less of me. We sang that song, I want more of you, Lord, more of you. You want more of him? I'm going to give you the first clue. There's got to be less of you and less of me. Because he can't take place in our life where we won't give it up. 
And so the Lord has been reaching to us these last few weeks. And I would say beyond before that, but especially these last couple of weeks, he's been drawing us unto himself. And if you've been listening, and I believe you have with your spirit, no doubt he's been pricking some things in our lives, causing us to go, I've got to examine choices that I make. I've got to examine some ways that I live. I've got to examine some things that I do with my time. I've got to examine some things that I allow into my eyes and my ears and my spirit. And I've got to make some decisions about those things. Why would the Lord do that? Because He loves us. And understand that the result of our actions will have consequences. But it will not be a case of where God never gave us opportunity to draw near to Him. And so He has gently and lovingly reached to us and challenged us where we live. What kind of father would allow his children to go a direction to their detriment and never say anything? What kind of father would ever watch his children be on a certain course or path in life that they know would bring damage and destruction to their child and the father would be silent and allow it to take place? That's not love at all of a father. And so sometimes the Lord, as he has been, reaches to us and says, Hey, you need to examine You need to examine the choices you're making. You need to examine some of the things you've allowed in your home, in your heart, in your life. You need to examine some of these things that you've given room to in your walk that are not of God. And they are hindering your relationship with God. Dare I say that it's possible they've even become idols in your life. How can you determine if something's an idol in your life? Very simply, if it's before God, it's an idol. If it's before God, it's an idol. When you wake up in the morning, what's the first thing you do with your day? If it's before God, it's an idol. Oh, there may be big or small idols in your life. But if it's before God, it's an idol. I had shared with Brother Flowers a few weeks ago the scripture the Lord was dealing with my heart about. And I mentioned it to him and he made a comment that sort of stuck with me. I was praying a few Sunday mornings ago. And the scripture came back to my mind. You know it from uh, Exodus chapter 20. The Lord said to his people... Thou shalt have, what's the first commandment? In Exodus, the first commandment is, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And I was sort of turning that over. and So I mentioned it to Brother Flowers. I said, you know, that's interesting to me. He said, you shouldn't have any other gods before him. Was he saying you could have other gods just as long as they weren't before him? I ask, I pose that question to Brother Flowers. I was like, help me out here. Was the Lord saying you, sh- you can have other gods just as long as they're not before Him? It's not what He was saying, is it? No. He was saying, if you, I don't know whose this is. Oh, you got a message? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 
He's like, don't read it. No, I'm kidding. Anything that comes before God, nothing, no gods before me. There should be nothing between you and I. Nothing before me. If you set something up that takes place in your life that you allow to influence your choices and decisions more than God, it's become an idol. It's become an idol. It's become an idol. And so I have to look. It's, it's interesting that I'm holding one of these. I'm afraid for some this has become an idol. It really has. You give more. I really, this is not where I was planning on going today. We haven't even started yet. Well, we've started, but if you give more time to this than you, and you don't have time for prayer and the word, it's an idol. It's an idol. And you'd be better off with a flip phone in heaven than you would a smartphone in hell. Jesus said better to, he said, if your hand offends you, cut it off. He said, it's better into heaven without a hand than it is to go to hell with both hands. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. I'm telling you, it'd be better to go to heaven with a flip phone than to go to hell with a smartphone. You have access to so many things. You say, oh, brother Hart, are you preaching against smartphones? Not at all. I have two. Some of you are going, why do you have two? I have a personal one and I have a corporate one that I'm required to. I have two smartphones. I'm not preaching against them. They're tremendous tools. They have a lot of possibility. They help with a lot of things. I can do a lot of stuff now that, I, that saves me time and hopefully makes me more productive. Sometimes they don't make us more productive because of the way we use them. And really, we're not using them. They're using us. And this is just one example. This is just one example but it becomes an idol. And so the whole world is assess- accessible on this, isn't it? The whole world. What you can see, what you can read, what you can stream, what you can look at photos of, what you can dig in. The world is accessible here. I, I, I mean, yes, you can. And I don't care if you got three Bible apps on here. That doesn't make it more spiritual. I can listen to preaching on here. And I can go watch videos I ought not be watching on here. You understand, the phone is not the idol. It's just a tool. How I use it, it's the choices that I make. That's what God is dealing with us about. See, before we would make rules, we would say, Thou shalt not have a smartphone because it's evil. No, it's not evil, it's a tool. The question is, the matter of your heart and my heart and how I respond if I'm a child of God, filled with the Spirit of God, when He leads me. When I pick this up, what I do with it, am I doing it in my flesh or am I letting the Spirit of God dictate my actions? 
if I'm on YouTube, and I'm not, I'm not against YouTube. I've, I learned how to do stuff to fix my car. Thank God for YouTube. Probably would have paid 90 bucks an hour at a mechanic. It took me three minutes. There's value there. But there's some YouTube stuff you shouldn't be watching. You start watching something on YouTube and you feel the Holy Ghost, you ought to trust the Holy Ghost to say, uh, not that, and stop it. This can become an idol. Anything that comes between me and God is an idol. I used to, I'm not on a smartphone kick, you understand that. This is just one example that we can all relate to. How many of you would say you probably spend too much time on your smartphone? Would you, would you be honest today? Yeah, look at us. And so we need to ask the Lord, God, I don't want anything before you. Would you pray with me about that right now? Really, the Lord is, this is the Lord speaking to his bride. And he's saying, I'm wanting you to myself. I'm wanting you to myself. I'm wanting you to myself. I'm a jealous God that doesn't want to share you with somebody else. And I'm wanting you to myself. In the name of Jesus, God, today we repent. We repent of where we've opened doors we should have never opened. We repent of where we've given avenue in our lives. We should have never given avenue. We pray, Father, forgive us. And we receive of your forgiveness today. Forgive us and Spirit of God, quicken us that we make right choices. That we be sensitive to the leading of your Spirit. So that we separate ourselves from the things we would be separated from. To please you and to be set apart unto you, O God. That your spirit and word would work and operate in and through our lives for your purpose. Make us aware, O oh God, of idols that we have in our life. Let us purge this temple from idols. Let us purge our home from idols. Let us purge our vehicle from idols, O oh God. That we be set apart unto you, holy, holy and acceptable unto you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I feel like the Lord, I believe the Lord is speaking and would encourage us. He's asking us, not telling us because He gives us choice. He's asking us to examine every facet of our life, to allow His Spirit and His Word to shine into every area of our life. And let him influence what we have that's affecting us. How many have ever gone on a diet before? <laughs> I'm laughing because I caught. Go on. How many have ever gone on a diet before? Raise your hand. My hand's up. I don't mean like, there's, you understand there's different kind of diets, right? There's diets to lose weight. There's diets to gain weight. There's diets to cut out sugar. There's, how many have ever gone on a diet before? Yeah, look, almost everybody in the room. Now, you went on a diet with a purpose, didn't you? You had a purpose. Now, some may have bailed before the purpose was fulfilled. 
Or some may have bailed once the purpose was fulfilled. And the purpose was swiftly lost. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? I, I'm being careful. I realize for some of you, I'm treading on care. I'm, I'm, I'm being careful here. Brother Jester, bail me out. if I, Okay, watch out for me. And so, no, we, we can relate to that. Now, if, if I'm going to go on a diet, and my, I determine I'm going to start eating healthy. Let's, let's make that my diet, all right? I'm going to start eating healthy. Well, I, I'm not a nutritionist. But I know that eating healthy means I should probably eat fruits and vegetables and non-processed foods. And right. I I understand that. I know that. And so now if I want to, I could justify and say, you know what? Cocoa beans grow on a tree. So technically they are a fruit. So I'm going to have me a Hershey's chocolate bar. (laughs) Sounds good, doesn't it? What am I doing? I'll tell you what I'm doing. I'm justifying my action, even though I know it's contrary to the purpose that I've set out on. Does that make sense? I'm finding ways to justify my action, even though it's contrary to what I know I want to be doing and should be doing. If I decide I'm going to go on this healthy food diet, I don't leave my refrigerator full of non-healthy food. That's foolishness. It's like, well, everybody's not going on this healthy diet with me. You know, the scripture says that I'm supposed to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean do it on your own, do it your own way. Some people have misinterpreted that. That doesn't mean just, you know, figure it all out on you. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Really, if you go look in context, what the Apostle Paul was saying, I think it was the Apostle Paul, maybe not. But the writer was saying, what he was saying when he said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, he, he was saying, look, you can't be going, well, I would, but she. Or I'm trying, but they. No, 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 no. He was saying, you got to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You can't go, well, it's their fault. If they would, then. I... No, that's foolishness. That's what that is, is that's an excuse. And so if I'm going to eat healthy and the rest of my family says, well, you know what? We, I, I like all this junk food. I got to leave it in here. Well, you got to work that out on your own. Said, we're not just talking about a diet, are we? We're talking about walking and living for God. Absolutely, I don't want to be a stumbling block to someone in my family. I want to help them. I want to encourage them. But somewhere along the way, I have to determine and you have to determine individually for yourself, I am going to live for God. And I'm not going to do it half-heartedly. I'm not going to do it, you know, sort of 50. I'm going to do it completely, wholeheartedly with everything in me. I'm cleaning out the refrigerator spiritually. I'm getting every bit of junk out of here spiritually. And the Spirit of the Lord would like, if you would submit to Him and His Spirit and His Word, and you would determine, no, I'm doing this. 
I think the Spirit of the Lord, you could go home today and the Spirit of the Lord could take you through your home and you could go, God, what in my home is hindering my walk with you? If you'll show me and make me aware, I'll eliminate it so it's no longer a hindrance because I'm committing myself. I'm doing this. I am living for God because this is not a getting built issue. This is not a losing weight issue. This is a heaven and hell issue. He's trying to draw us to himself. Why is this so important to him? Because he wants to save me. That's one reason. The other reason is because he wants to use us to reach and save a lost world. Do you know why the disciples turned their world upside down in two years? The scripture says that in two years, all of Asia heard the word. Think about that. No phones, no radio, no TV, no internet, no U.S. Postal Service or Middle Eastern Postal Service or Asian Postal Service. I don't know what they had then. In two years, the scripture says, all of Asia heard the word. Think about that. Another place in Scripture, when disciples showed up in the city, the comment was made, these which have turned the world upside down are come here. I think it uses the word hither. But it says, these which have turned the world upside down are come hither. What happened? By the time the disciples arrived in the city, the word of what God was doing had already been to the city. And when they got there, they knew this is what we've heard about. This is what we've heard about. What did they hear? I don't know. But they heard something that said people's lives have become followers of Jesus Christ. And as they became followers of Jesus Christ, signs began to follow those that believed. And the signs that followed them, God went everywhere with them, working and confirming His Word. Why is the Lord beckoning us to this depth of relationship and this separation from self and the world, dying to self and separating from the world and living our lives wholly unto Him, clean and pure by His blood, by His washing, by His Spirit working in us because He's wanting to use us for His glory. He's wanting to use us for his glory. The enemy wants us to focus on just like, well, but I really enjoy, and you fill in your blank, this thing. And I know the Lord is probably dealing with me, to, and he deals with us all differently. He deals with us all differently. Because we all have different idols that we let into our lives. And so we focus on that. Rather than focus on the fact that. The almighty God wants to use me. The almighty God. The creator of the universe. Wants to operate in my life and work through me. And involve me in reaching other souls for his kingdom. 
Yes, that's what he wants to do. That's what he wants to do. Pray with me right now. Would you do that? Come on, would you talk to him? Father, I want to be available in every way to you. In every way to you. You who desires to use us, your body. You who desires to work through us, your people. You who is beckoning and drawing upon our hearts tenderly and gently, mercifully. You are drawing and beckoning us to your side. Asking us, Lord, to abide in you and let your word to abide in us so that we could ask what we will and it be done. In the name of Jesus. In the name of of Jesus. John chapter 14. I, I want to read a few passages of scripture with you. The Holy Ghost is talking with us and wants to continue to do so. John 14 and verse number 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. That very statement implies that they didn't know him fully yet. He's speaking to the disciples. It was Thomas that asked the question. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth you know him and... Have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us, or it will satisfy us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet have you not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show me or show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Who does the works? The Father. The Father. The Father that dwelt in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was God, the Father, manifest in the flesh. That's why he could say these things. The Father that dwells in me, he does the work. The works, I'm, I really want to just move on, but I need to pause here for a minute. Wouldn't it be odd if my son here says, It is not I, but it is my father Joel that dwells in me that does the work. 
What would you think if he said that to you? You're thinking, okay, he's got a screw loose. And what would you think if I told you, oh, yes, I dwell in him? You think, you got a screw loose. Why would you think that? I'll tell you why you'd think that. Because we're two persons. You with me? We're two persons. That's weird. Two persons can't dwell in one another. So is Jesus confused? No. There's only ever one person in the Godhead. There was only ever one person in the Godhead. His name is Jesus. And in him, Colossians tells us, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Bodily. What body? The only body that God ever had was the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we know that? Because God is a spirit. That's the word. The only body he ever had was the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. There is only one person in the Godhead. Anyone that teaches the Godhead has three persons. They have been deceived by men's teaching. That started a hundred and something plus years after Christ resurrected and ascended at the council of Nicaea where some men got together and created this document and they created a new word to try to breed confusion it was a spirit of deception that crept into the world go study it read about it at the council of Nicaea it's called the Nicene Creed N-I-C-E-N-E it's named after the city of Nicaea where this council of men came together And this Nicene Creed or the Council of Nicaea determined, here's what we'll do. We'll make God so confusing that men need a priest. And as priests, we will have control. And men will always understand they can't even come to God. That even to confess their sins, they have to have a priest And they'll come to a priest and they'll sit in a chamber and they'll confess their sins to the priest. And the priest in the church will have power and control. We are really going where I did not plan today. And so the Nicene Creed created this statement. God in three persons. And they developed and created the word Trinity at the Council of Nicaea. I have a question for you. What other person was God in other than Jesus Christ? (laughs) You just can't explain that, can you? Because he wasn't. God was only ever in one person. Jesus Christ. That is why the writer of Hebrews made this statement. He is the, speaking of Jesus Christ, he is the express or the only, the express image 
of the invisible God. Amen? So that's why Jesus could say this. The Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. What Father dwelt in him? The only Father. The one true living God dwelt in him. He was God manifest in the flesh. We know that from John 1, 1 and 14. The Word was God. John 14, 1 and 14. The Word was made flesh. God was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's why the prophet Isaiah would say that the Lord sought for an intercessor, but he found none. And so what did the Lord do? Isaiah prophesied. He said his arm brought salvation to him. What is the arm? The arm of the Lord. The arm is what reaches. The arm of the Lord. What was the arm of the Lord? Jesus Christ was the arm of the Lord. God came and wrapped himself in flesh. He brought salvation. Let's get back on the word. That was just a little mini Bible study. on. But the father that dwells in me, he does the works. Verse 11. See, Jesus is trying to make sure his disciples understand this. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Again, try to picture that if there's two different persons. I am in the Father and the Father. It's weird. Of course it is because it's not what the Lord is saying at all. I am in the Father and the Father's in me. They are one. That's why Jesus said, I and my Father are one. The Father, or else believe me, he says, for the very work's sake. Verse 12. This, and, and that, this is why the religious leaders of the day said, no man can do these things but God. And they were right. Verse 12. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Who's doing the works? The Father. And, watch what he says, greater works than these shall he do. This is the person that believes on him. Greater works than these shall he do. Why? Because I go unto my Father. There's more that follows. What does that mean? What does that mean to us? Verse 13. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I think it was Brother Flowers that talked a few weeks ago about what glory was. Glory was the um, image of something. Glory caused something to be seen. And so the Lord says, the Lord Jesus Christ says, whatever you ask in my name, I'll do it so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What does he say? The Father will be seen through the Son. That lines up with Hebrews. He's the express image of the invisible God. Verse 14. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father. And he, watch, he shall give you another comforter. Capital C, that tells you it's God. Because it's capitalized. He shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you. How long? Isn't that beautiful? Forever. He may abide with you forever. 
Aren't you thankful for that? Verse 17, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not. Notice the words he used. It sees him not. Jesus said, you've seen me. I'm with you. But the world sees him not. Do you know why the world doesn't see him? Even some of Christianity today doesn't see him. Because they're still looking for him in three persons. The world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him. How do you know him? For he dwells with you. And now watch what Jesus says here. Because here it could get strange if you don't understand what we've already talked about. But you know him. Why? For he dwelleth with you. He's talking to his disciples, right? He's the one talking. And he dwells with you. Who's dwelling with the disciples? Jesus is dwelling with his disciples, isn't he? And so here he is. He says, he dwells with you. He's talking about the spirit of truth, the comforter. He says, he dwells with you, but watch what's happened. He's going to be in you. Hmm. This is getting interesting, isn't it? Is, is a person going to be in you? He shall be in you. Jesus says, I will not leave you comfortless. I, who's talking? Jesus. I will come to you. Now, skip all the way down to verse 26. What in the world was all that Jesus just said? Well, if you stop reading, it doesn't make sense. But let's read verse 26. But the, the what? The comforter. Who's sending the comforter? The Father, right? We just read this. You got to go back and read in the scripture. He said, the Father will send the comforter, right? And he said, he's going to send it in my name. Now, so we're still reading in the same. Jesus is still in the same conversation. Verse 26. But the comforter. Which is, who's the, what is, the comforter's who? The comforter, which is the, what? The Holy Ghost. Now, uh, we ju- didn't we just read this a few verses later? Uh, before? And Jesus said the Father's going to send the comforter, and he's going to send the comforter in whose name? Jesus' name. And Jesus just said the comforter is the? Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send. Okay, that's what he just told us before. He's still saying the same thing, isn't he? Yes, he is. He's still saying the same thing. The Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. That's what he just said before. He shall teach you all things. I have a question for you. What is the name of the Holy Ghost? Well, if I believe what I've just read from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ in John 14, the Holy Ghost is sent in His name. Therefore, the only name is Jesus Christ. 
That is the reason why the apostles could say in Acts chapter 4, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's why Jesus said where we started in verse number 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. What is Jesus Christ? He is the way to the Father. He's the truth of the Father. He is the life of the Father. It's Jesus Christ. That's why we know there's only one God. I have a friend. Some of you have heard of him before. His name is Nick Mahaney. Nick Mahaney is an evangelist, travels around the world. He's been here once. And uh, Nick Mahaney uh, lives in a home that we have back in Arkansas. And so Nick Mahaney, we had a neighbor move in next door since he's lived there. And so I, I can't tell the story the way he told the story. It was pretty funny. But... Uh, he said, this neighbor move in, and he got all these little strange boxes he's stacking out there and uh, some interesting things, and uh, he could tell that the, he thought, based on what he could see, that the gentleman was probably from the Middle East. And so he sees this man stacking stuff out there, and he's like, what's going on over here? Who's moving in beside me over here? And he's in Arkansas, keep in mind. And so here he is, and so he's trying to figure this out. And so he decides, well... You know, he's telling me the story. He said, you know, so I'm doing my walk in the neighborhood. I'm sort of looking in the garage when it's open, sort of see what's going on in there. And I can only imagine, Lord, help that man that lives next door. And so anyway, so Brother Mahaney, he said, you know, I thought I got to go over and meet the guy. And so he said, I just went over one day to introduce myself. And he said he came to the door and I, I talked to him and I said, so, so where are you from? Come to find out, he's from Israel. The gentleman's a Jew. A Hebrew. He's a Hebrew. And so Nick started talking to him. And Nick said, uh, Brother Mahaney, I don't mean to be disrespectful by, by calling him Nick. He's a good friend of mine. But he, he, he says, uh, man, you're a chosen people. He told him, he said, I believe the Shema. The Shema is Deuteronomy 6 and 4, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and Him only shalt thou serve. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. That is the Shema. Hebrew children are taught that from an early, early age, and they can quote that all the way through there. That's, that's the passage of Scripture that says, You shall teach this to your children. You'll put it on their doorposts and the bedposts. You'll put it as frontlets between their eyes. You'll tell this to your children when they rise up, and you'll tell this to your children when they lie down. What are you telling them? You're telling them, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and Him only shalt thou serve. And so, Brother Mahaney's talking to this guy, and he says, Man... I believe in Israel. He said, I believe in the word of God. I believe what the scripture teaches. I'm a Christian. And the guy shook his head and said, no, you, you can't really believe the things of the Bible that I believe because I only believe in one God. I don't believe in three. He, 
he said, if you're a Christian, you believe in the Trinity, and so you can't believe the Bible, I believe. And Nick said, oh, no, I believe. And Nick started quoting Deuteronomy 6, 4, started talking to him about Jesus Christ, man, God manifested in the flesh, began to walk. And the guy's like, maybe you do believe it. You understand the reason that that Jews shun dominant Christianity is because you'll never get a Jew to say God is in three persons. Because of the Shema. If there was anything the Lord wanted to make sure they knew. Don't you ever forget Israel. The Lord, our God is one. Why was Jerusalem and Israel so looking for the Messiah? Why were they anticipating the coming of the Messiah? Were they anticipating God in another person? No, they knew that when the Messiah comes from all that's prophesied in all of the Old Testament scriptures, they understand the coming Messiah is when God comes and wraps himself in flesh and reveals himself to us. The one true God of Deuteronomy comes and shows himself to us. Of course, when he comes... Then the Jews see him and they see the piercing in his hands and in his side. And the scripture says they will ask of him who did this to you. And the Lord Jesus will say to them, I was wounded in the house of my friends. Because when Jesus comes the second time is when Jerusalem will realize they missed it when he came the first time. Read it, it's in the book. I really thought we were going to talk about something completely different reading all this, but here we are. He said, I'll bring the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, in the name of Jesus. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. I'm going to hurry and finish. John 15, turn the page. Jesus says, verse 1, I'm the true vine, my father's the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, so that it may bring forth more fruit. What we started with today, this separating, getting things out of our life that shouldn't be, that is the Lord trying to purge some things from us, so that we'll bring forth fruit. Verse 3, now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. Verse 6, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit for... Without me, you can do, what can you do? Nothing. Nothing. 
I can do nothing without him. Now, do you remember what we read in John 14? Jesus said, it's the Father that dwelleth in me that does the works. The Father's going to send the Holy Ghost in my name, the Comforter. He dwells with you, Jesus dwelt with but shall be in you. And here he says, and he told them, the works that I do, it's the Father that does them, and you're going to do greater works. Well, they understood if they were going to do greater works, then the Father needed to dwell in them. You understand? And now he's telling them, you, can't, you can do nothing without me. So they understand clearly, because man put the chapters there. The Lord Jesus was saying all of this all together. If you turn back through your scriptures and look, you'll understand. He started talking to them in John chapter 13, and he spoke all the way through until he got to John chapter 17. And in John chapter 17, he begins praying for them about all the things he just said in John 13, 14, 15, and 16. Without me, you can do nothing. Now, they're hearing this, and they've heard all of these things, but they're as human as we are. And he's telling them they can't do anything without him, but then it's not long later he's telling them, I'm going away. But you told me I can't do anything without you and you're leaving me? He said, it's expedient for you that I go away. Because if I go away, then I'll come again. And that's when he tells them, I'll be in you. What was he talking about? We know what he was talking about. It's not a mystery. He was talking about the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, as interpreted in some places. Same words, interchangeable. The Holy Spirit. What is a spirit? A spirit is that of a departed one or the Holy Ghost. A ghost is the spirit of a departed one. The only one that ever departed was the Lord Jesus Christ. He departed when he ascended on the Mount of Olives. And so he departed and he returned, but he did not return in bodily form. We know this. He returned as his spirit. His spirit returned on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, filled all the house where they were sitting, and they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them the utterance. What was that? That was, you know what that was? It was a promise. What was it a promise of? Luke 24, 49 tells us it was the promise of the Father. Which is exactly what they were expecting. Because that's what he said would happen in John 14. And so Luke 24, 46, 47, 48, 49, he says... Go tarry in Jerusalem, and I'll send the promise of the Father. It was what he talked to them about in John 14. He baptized them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. You and I are filled. Why don't you stand with me? I had a whole bunch more scripture that we did not get to today. If you want to continue this Bible study, we will continue, but... I. I can feel some of you are at capacity right now. He filled you and I with the gift of the Holy Ghost. If he filled you, if he hasn't, he will. It's a gift. It's a promise. It's the promise of the Father living in you. What was Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ was our example What did he example? He exampled a man 
filled with the Spirit of God. And he said, it's not I that does the work. It's the Father that dwells in me. And when you and I are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Holy Ghost is the promise of the Father. And just like the Lord Jesus Christ said, the Father dwelleth in me and he does the works, it's the self-same Spirit that dwells in us when we're baptized with the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of the Father dwells in us and he does the works. And he's wanting to do the works. So why isn't he doing more works through us? Full circle. Because we're trying to live one foot here and one foot here. And live for self and live for God. And he knows if he does the works through us while we're living that way. We'll try to get glory for ourself rather than him. And the purpose of the works is that the Father would be glorified, not us. And so he's inviting you and I to be separated unto him. And the fullness of his spirit be operative in our lives so that he can work through us. And he would be glorified. And he would be lifted up, Brother Flowers. And the scripture says, as he quoted, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. If I'm living half towards him and half for self, I'll get lifted up. And I'll start seeking to draw men to myself. And there are men doing that today. And there are women doing that today. That are using the giftings of God to draw people to themselves. And they're building earthly kingdoms. And it's looking like, and they're calling it church. But they're elevating themselves and lifting up themselves. And I promise you before God, that kingdom will fall. But the Lord is wanting us to be separated unto Him so He can work through us. That's how much He loves us. That's why He bought us. And if I was you and I'm one of you, what I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to examine every place of my life, my home, my living, my choices, my actions, my relationships, every area that has influence in my life and go is this bringing me closer to Jesus or is it separating me from him I'm not even saying it's sin I'm just saying if it keeps me from fulfilling his will for my life it's a hindrance it tempts me to sin I don't want temptation in my way it's going to come but I'm going to overcome it and where I have opportunity I'm going to remove the temptation I'm going to get the chocolate bars off the shelf that I look at every day when I'm on this diet I'm removing those things well, I'm not going to just take them and hide them somewhere. I'm getting them out of my house. I remember, you've heard this before. Brother, Brother Martin has told me in his 
working with those that have been addicted to drugs and drugs being a part of his life before the Lord completely and fully delivered him. Thank God for that. Amen. That he would, and I've heard him talk to other people and have conversations with them where they would get clean for a, a while. And so when he'd begin talking to them about what God had done in his life, he'd say, let me ask you a question. Are you still keeping your small little stash somewhere for just in case? You still have that little stash hidden somewhere? And inevitably, they would say, yeah. I've still got that little just in case. Sit. He'd say, you need to go deal with that and get rid of it. You know what I feel like the Lord is doing today? Is he saying, I'm not beating you up in some of these areas. You've, I don't want to use the term, you've been clean. I don't. <laughs> you've been seeking to separate yourself unto me. You've been seeking to respond to my word and walk upright and holy as I've led you and I'm leading you by your spirit. But there's some things that maybe you're just keeping in reserve that maybe just in case you can go back to and entertain yourself with. The Lord is saying, why don't you purge the whole house? Why don't you purge the whole house and be wholly separated unto me and let my spirit work through your life and reach to a lost and dying world. Let me manifest myself through you. It's what he's wanting to do. In Jesus' name, why don't you find a place to pray right now? Whether in your pew or in this altar, would you... I know the Lord's talking with us. Come on, would you, would you talk with him? Would you? He's being kind today. I'm so thankful for that. His gentle love and mercy. What he's doing, he's appealing to us because of his desire to use us. He has tremendous plans for us individually and collectively as a people of God, as the body of Christ. And so he has filled us with his spirit or would desire to fill you and I with his spirit. So that His Spirit can work through our lives to do greater works. That He would be glorified through His body. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Why did the church not come on the scene until Christ had ascended? Here's why. Because the Spirit of God could only dwell in one body earthly. At a time. And so when Jesus ascended, then the church became the body of Christ. We are his body, his hands, his feet, his voice in the earth. He wants to work through us, the body of Christ. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, talk with him. Let him talk with you. If repentance is what he's asking for, then let us repent today. If he's illuminating things in our lives, in our home, in our hearts today, then let us be purposeful about releasing them unto him, about laying them at the foot of the cross, not to lay hold on them again. Let us make some commitments today. Let the words come out of our mouth. Don't let it just be a thought in our head, but let a word come out of our mouth that will be a word of declaration. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to remove that thing from my home. Lord Jesus, I'm going to remove that out of my life and set apart myself unto you. 
that you would use me fully and completely. That your spirit would be completely operative without any hindrance, without any weight, without any barrier to what you want to do and how you want to work through my life. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus.
to break every chain, 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 to break every chain. I hear those chains falling. Every chain to break every chain to break every chain to break every chain to break every chain I hear those chains falling I hear those chains falling those chains falling to break every chain 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 I hear those chains falling those chains falling I hear those chains falling to break every chain 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 there is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain. I hear those chains falling. I hear those chains falling. those chains falling I hear those chains falling to break every chain to break every chain 
to break every chain to break every chain to break every chain to break every chain I hear those chains falling stand with me hallelujah praise God just as Elder Hart was finish, finishing ministering there I felt a strong witness of the Holy Ghost move into this place and about as clear as it could be he said we're going to start making some changes in our homes and I know it was for me and I don't think it was just for me I felt it that strongly. But I encourage you, hold to that. Listen to it. Because it's not me making this up, and this is not Elder Hart making this up. This is the Holy Ghost talking today. When 
He says, I will dwell among you. I want my place to be a place where he will dwell. Now, this is in here, but it's also anywhere else I spend my time. A lot of that's at my house. A lot of that's in my car. A lot of that's at work. Where it is that I spend my time, I want him to be able to dwell there. Whatever changes I have to make, I'm going to make them. Amen. Jesus, we thank you for moving here today. We thank you for speaking here today. God, I thank you for wanting to dwell among us, for making us your holy people. Jesus, I thank you for the work, the sanctifying work that you're doing here today. Jesus, I pray, let us not take it lightly, God, but let us walk in it. Let us cling to it today, God. The things we've heard, Jesus, you want to be the comforter to your people. God, we open up right now and we accept that today. Jesus, we will walk in it today. Jesus, we want to be made one with you. God, that you would dwell with us and in us. Jesus, you shall be in us, as your word says. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I encourage you, greet one another. I was going to say greet them with a holy kiss, but I'll leave that up to you. In Jesus' name, you're dismissed.